Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to this week's episode of Best Camp of My Life, a podcast about MMA. Kind of, but not really, but kind of. I'm your host, Fernanda Prates, unless you are one of the actors, corporations, or entities responsible for stoking anti-vaccination sentiment among the general population during the most impactful health crisis of our lifetime. In which case, I'm still your host, Fernanda Prates, in the sense that this is what I do and that is how I'm called, but I'm also not your host, Fernanda Prates, in the sense that please go fuck yourself. That's it. That's the intro. Not my most inspired work, I know, but you're going to have to forgive me. There's just something about the perspective of being perpetually stuck in a global pandemic because there is money to be made from people's ignorance and despair that just really saps one's creativity. Also, I figured I was already spoiling you enough for today what with the bringing along the coolest guest ever and all. I guess now would be the time to like build the suspense a little, maybe play a little guessing game, but I know that you are all busy people with long podcast cues and short attention spans, and also that you read the episode's literal title before clicking on it, so yeah, secrets out. Let's just skip the fanfare and introduce our guest, the one, the only, Esther Lynn. I don't really think I need to be introducing Esther in detail here, because if you know this podcast, there is a 99.9% chance you know Esther. But in case you're in that 0.1%, I think I'm bad at math. Esther is, of course, a photographer, but not just a photographer. She's the mastermind behind some of the most iconic images in MMA history, as well as several other amazing photographs in boxing, pro wrestling, and I'm guessing pretty much everything she blesses her camera with. She also writes, does voiceovers, and generally makes the world a brighter and better place just by existing in it. She also happens to be friends with me, which I know kind of clashes with all the other positive stuff I just mentioned, but hey, nobody's perfect. In any case, here's our chat. Enjoy it or don't, just remember that I am coming from my enemies after the vaccine turns me into a 5G-powered three-eyed mutant. My dear guests, as you may or may not have noticed at this point, I am in a free adaptation of the words of Hubastank, not a perfect podcast host. I have some, several, some would say countless flaws. I have, however, always been honest. And in the spirit of honesty, I will admit that I spent the morning racking my brain trying to come up with a cute little intro that would properly convey the satisfaction of having today's guest on my show. I obviously failed, but only because in that process, I realized one thing. 
There is no way to properly convey the satisfaction of having today's guest on my show. There are simply no words in the English language. She's just that amazing. Welcome to the podcast, Esther. Oh, thank you for having me. I did warn you that it was going to be a bit of a deranged intro. <laughs> just, <laughs> just wanted to amp up the drama for you. I felt like you were worth it. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I um, I, in my in my head, I was playing air horns. <laughs> Maybe we'll add that in the in the edits. We'll see. We like to get <laughs> we like to get crazy with it. Um, Esther, there is so much I want to talk to you for the listeners at home. You probably know, but I have had Esther in my the previous uh, iteration of the show. Well, actually, but a lot has happened. Since then, it was, I guess, December 2019, and I don't know if you're aware, but uh, the world is a is a different place. So I feel like we have a lot of ground to cover. But I did want to start with this past weekend because I know you were up there at Bellator 263, um, gracing us with your photographs again. How long had it been since you'd uh, actually taken pictures of an MMA event? Oh, um, I think the last time I shot an MMA event was March 2020. Okay, so more than yeah. a year. Mm -hmm. Like, or considering pandemic year is like 20 years, because that's how much we've all aged. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that uh, Shyamalan movie, which I haven't seen yet, where people go to the island and then become very old, where I think that's... That's yes, the plot yeah. of it. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet either, but I but I do I do I do feel like it's it's just reflective of how every day feels now. <laughs> it's it's great. It's been great to just uh, laugh through the pain and throw a lot of caffeine at it. But because um, <laughs> I know you're both you're also a coffee enthusiast, so I guess we're in this together. Um, and Which how means was we are it? Always dehydrated. Which exactly, and like a little more anxious than we need to be. I just feel like. <laughs> I'm always complaining about my anxiety. And at the same time, I'm always having a lot of like, just and, and the worst kind, like cold brew, cold brew is just like basically anxiety and diarrhea juice. And I still do it to myself. Oh. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> just one well, of those things. Outside of that, Bellator was, was fun, actually. You know, it was really nice outside to get back. Outside of the know. diarrhea oh. juice. Uh, <laughs> Bellator was great. Yeah, I was gonna. How was the experience though? It must have been kind of weird. It was weird. It was you know simultaneously um, exciting and uh, frightening, right? Okay. Because it was the first event I've attended that has had fans in it. Um, oh, wow. For May, anyway, since last mm -hmm. March, um, I have gone to a couple boxing matches with fans, but the majority of them were at outdoor venues. Okay. So this is my kind of first time being indoor. Um, so, uh, of course, you know, it's going to be a bunch of people drinking and stuff. Mm -hmm. So not everyone's going to keep their masks on and things like that. And who knows what, you know, the vaccination status is of everyone is in the, in the oh, crowd. Yeah. But, but it was still fun. And I just, you know, kept my kept mine on and uh, worked through it. And, you know, I'm not really too close to anybody where I'm standing mm -hmm. anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was weird. Um, but it mainly because outside of seeing the occasional mask, you really wouldn't know that it was a pandemic show because oh, yeah. um, it just had that same 
kind of um, previous big show feel that Bellator mm-hmm. shows have when they get to that special episode, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I was actually going to ask you about that because it's it's different because you've been vaccinated for longer and I know you've been doing um, a few events at least. For me, mm-hmm. uh, I went to Vegas recently for the first time I went to get vaccinated and we ended up um, going to an event and I was mm-hmm. just absolutely freaked out. The event wasn't even, it had some uh, fa- like fans in attendance. The UFC is doing like some sort of like soft opening type of thing at the apex. Um, but just walking through like, cause we were at the Virgin hotel, which is kind of like, it's not one of the big ones. It's new. So it's not like the MGM, but like just passing through the lobby every day and mm-hmm. seeing everybody unmasked was so freaking weird. <laughs> like I, I was not, ex- I was expecting like some level of anxiety about it because we really have been just like, we go out for like sometimes dinner in an open space or in like small things like that. Like I got married with like 13 people. Like mm-hmm. we've really been like keeping things super small and then being there, it was just so anxiety inducing. And then I imagine like you there and I was reading on Twitter that like there was technically supposed to be mass, but that it wasn't yes. necessarily being enforced. And I could only imagine kind of the anxiety of being back in a place like this. Yeah, it kind of it made it made me not wonder too much in terms of like sometimes I I like to kind of mm-hmm. walk around and get different points of view and you know sometimes mm-hmm. in the crowd and stuff like that. So I didn't really do that um this time. Uh also cuz just because of covid things like that um generally we've lost a bit of our uh wandering privileges <laughs> uh, for most places, you know, they they try to keep us separate. Um I've been working a lot of boxing events where um, once we're in the venue, there's like a um, the bubble inside the venue in terms of like, here is the barrier. Mm-hmm. You can only be in this areas, these areas. No one who is not part of our bubble can come into this area and and no one from this bubble can leave. Otherwise, you can't come back. Mm-hmm. So um, even even they, they extended it all the way to the venue. So when I worked like a Leo Santa Cruz versus Tank Davis fight at, in San Antonio, that's how it was. They basically made like this tiny bubble inside the arena. And I, I watched security try to enforce, you know, the masking rules and stuff, but you know, no one's going to do it. So yep. they got, there was like a lot of fights and arguments and, you know, uh, at this point you just gotta, gotta hope for the best, which is yeah. unfortunate that that's all you can do, mm-hmm. but, uh, that is all you can do, you know, you didn't, don't accept, you know, besides staying home. So, um, it was really hard for me to stay home considering this was, in my backyard, this event was like, I could jog to the forum. So I had to go. So. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. Like what, why this event in particular, like after this time, it was just basically a proximity situation. Well, it was uh, a big fight. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I've absolutely. been looking forward to this fine um, Grand Prix final for ever since they announced the tournament. Yeah. And um yeah, and 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 it, and proximity. It's it's right there. It seems so weird to have an MMA fight five minutes from my house and not go to it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the other thing I've been really working on is um, trying to take more photos. Um, for fun isn't really the right word, but for myself. For yourself. Yeah. Yes. Mm, I imagine. So, because this didn't really quote unquote, go anywhere, right? Like it wasn't a professional assignment for a specific outlet. It was just you. 
Correct. It was just me. So how different is it though? Like, do you approach the process any differently when the pictures are basically the kind of like when the only obligation is really doing things that, that please you specifically? Um, you know, uh, it takes me a little longer to go through the photos at the end because okay. instead of, you know, scrambling in between every round to get something out, mm-hmm. um, I don't do that anymore, uh, which means that at the end of the night, I kind of have to go through everything all at once, which is actually a slower process. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, uh, it kind of gives me a little bit of license to crop differently. Do turn. I hardly ever do like portrait orientation photos, but I could do that you know, because I'm not worried about whether or not it'll fit into a graphic or mm, okay. uh, a gallery um, and stuff like that. And then the other thing is just like, I took a lot more dumb pictures of things like people's <laughs> feet or like uh, someone had like a broken ankle or something. And I'd be like, just like zoom in on it. And mm-hmm. like, I just for records, people's ears, you know, that kind of stuff that I, you know, I'm not going to, it's not going to go anywhere, but it's, um, I just tag it. And later on, maybe I'll use it. I really am hoping to kind of collect enough of my um, work that I own so that I can kind of put together a couple of, I don't know, books or something. (laughs) Was it, and of course you've been photographing combat sports during this time, like you said, it did boxing, you've done pro wrestling, but did you miss um, shooting MMA specifically? Um, Yeah, I I did. I I miss the kind of excitement that you get because um, boxing for sure there's still an excitement for the big events but I've actually mostly been doing kind of I've been doing everything I've been doing mid-level and mm-hmm. and large events and stuff like that Um, so th- things haven't had like the same kind of uh, grand feeling where you're like this is really meaningful someone's you know um, mm-hmm. and plus you know I've been you know shooting MMA longer than anything else and I don't know Pitbull's been champ for so long and yeah AJ McKee's this like homegrown star. So it kind of, for me, it just seemed like an important thing to be at. And Mm -hmm. I I wanted to, um, I just wanted to be there and, and, and shoot it and see it. And and, then, yeah. (laughs) You, you mentioned, I I kind of wanted your opinion about the fight specifically, because like you said, it was Patricio Pitbull and it hurts me to even go there because Mm -hmm. I'm still processing uh, the fact that Pitbull lost and in such an emphatic way. And also that I might be a jinx because it was the first pre-fight interview I've done in like ages and that happened. Uh, oh. So yes, I don't believe in luck, uh, but I do believe I might be bad luck. Uh, let's see. But, you know, we had this guy who has been, consistently dominant for a very long time like he's not that undefeated monster but at the same time uh, i think especially after michael chandler left bellator him along with his brother patrick kind of like really became the faces of bellator obviously was a two division champion before and on the other like end of the spectrum like you said you had this homegrown talent on with aj mckee who you know bellator really took its time, I mm-hmm. think, cultivating him um, in a way that we don't always see with other talent and in a way that paid off too because a lot of the times they have this little build. And 
MVP is a little different, but I think we had a little bit of that because that when he came time for the big fight with Douglas, he lost. And then it was mm-hmm. kind of like, and we didn't have that with AJ, right? Like this mm-hmm. was the huge test. He said he had a, a tough test before, but this was supposed to be the, the big moment and mm-hmm. um, he lived up to it. And one thing I wanted to ask you, it's, it's something I kind of struggled when thinking about AJ from the start. Cause when I was working at MMA junkie, like it ended up being kind of my beat, uh, mm-hmm. Bellator, especially toward the end. So I did a lot of AJ McKee kind of content. And I always thought like, okay, this, this guy has the makings of a star. Cause he's mm-hmm. like his style of fighting, like he's a finisher. Uh, he knows the right things to say. Like he carries himself like somebody who knows that they're going to be champion. Like his dad, of course, Antonio McKee has always been very hands-on with his career and very savvy about where to go with it. So it's kind of like always. And at the same time, I always wondered if the components that were there would actually amount to stardom, you know? Mm -hmm. And now I kind of feel like, yeah, like, we're buzzing about him a lot in MMA Twitter. A lot of people are really talking about about him as like kind of the next thing. Mm-hmm. But the performance is also very recent. And I do know that we are kind of in a bit of a bubble. So I guess I was wondering if like my question for you is really whether you feel like we really could be watching the next big MMA star in AJ Mackey. Hmm. You know, I feel like maybe I um, don't necessarily always know who's going to be the next big star. I just yeah. <laughs> have an idea of the people that I like mm-hmm. um, or whose personalities that I mesh or with or people that I feel like I want to document. I mean, I've always kind of felt like um, I've always felt that AJ McKee ha- definitely had the makings. And even now, I do feel like he has the makings to be a star, especially because he, um, you know, defeated people who outside of an injury, I, I consider him fairly undefeated. Yeah. Um, right. So, um, you know, I, I really, it's it hard to, to, to predict those things. Like I ask in an assholeish way because I can't answer the question myself. Well, you know, I, the, I think where I'm stuck is that, um, he is such a, um, obviously is super skilled and talented and, all of the things that you need right mm-hmm. he knows how to he knows exactly how to sell a fight he knows what to say he mm-hmm. talks the right amount of trash blah 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 all that stuff and here i am sitting here thinking is mma our mma fans and our white wider spectrum of fans going to accept somebody from an outside organization yeah that's the whole thing too right so yeah. that's really kind of my main thing because like Bellator is a mouthful. And if I tell people I, I went to go shoot Bellator, most people have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, even if they saw a Bellator fight, just because, you know, to it's them, like the a cage brand. on TV is a cage mm-hmm. on TV. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it's it's really hard to say. I, I, I Personally, I do hope he, he, he becomes a big star, you know. Um, and uh, I, I just... I want to see it. I just don't know if it if it's gonna happen. And and also, I'm also very uh, pessimistic because I think that generally, because MMA is is pretty much like a fan fan wise feels like a white sport. Yes. And so, uh, like you know, white male dominated in terms of the fans. And so, I get I get nervous that they're not gonna accept him, even though I don't see why not. <laughs> yeah, and I agree with you. It takes. Because a lot of the times I think people, when you say that, 
will be like, oh, but what about Anderson Silva? What about John Jones? Yeah. And you have to like, yeah, but what did it take? for yeah, John Jones and Anderson Silva, yeah. right? Like the kind of dominance that you need to achieve in order to do that. And mm -hmm. I think also the attitude, and this is something that I, I constantly talk about, but that I feel like it's constantly sort of on display on this board. It's just kind of like, if you're confident or mm -hmm. like if you're saying big, big things about yourself or if you're mm -hmm. carrying yourself in a way that you know you're telling the world i'm that good um when you're a white man that sits a certain way with fans mm -hmm. and when you're anything else it lands a lot different yes <laughs> right like the idea that the person needs to be humble Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't seem to apply equally across the spectrum. And of course, whenever we say that kind of thing, people get angry at it. And oh, I course. don't know, yeah. it gives me like being a reverse racist or something of that sort, which <laughs> <laughs> thankfully I don't think among our listenership is a problem. Uh, but yeah. I mean, yeah, we talked about this. Anderson Silva, I felt like he, he went so long without being acknowledged for his greatness. Um. You know, even in in all the spheres, I guess everything. You know, and just just all the way back to how he um, recently posted that very nice um, Pride Month, you know, post oh, on his yeah. Instagram. Just uh, everything about him is he said seems like a, a nice human being who also is confident in himself, mm -hmm. and that's great. And for some reason, fans it. You know, fans may say now that he was the greatest or whatever, but I feel like at the time when he was, when we were in the middle of like his peak, there yeah. weren't that many people that were really excited about Aaron Silva. And there were always a lot of comments about, which I don't, they're not necessarily unfair, mm -hmm. but uh, about like just putting like asterisks on his dominance because it was right. not the strongest division. Right. And yes. because, you know, he was, I remember the Thales Leitch's fight, like he was booed yeah. a lot uh, yes. for the kind of performances that he put on and for, you know, being boring or whatever. And then uh, when he, boring sometimes, right? Because that's the thing, mm -hmm. he would turn it all the way up or <laughs> yeah. he would like, and I do think that he's just the kind of fighter who really adjusts to the kind of opponent that he has. But, um, and then, like, when he lost to Chris Weidman, there was the whole conversation about how, you know, how he's doing his, like, crazy things was a problem. Like, mm -hmm. he got too cocky. And that's what happens when you get too cocky. And then at the same time, that was the kind of thing that people liked. And I feel yeah. like we're revisiting that now very differently, right? Like, mm -hmm. in the boxing fight, everybody was just so moved and excited mm -hmm. to see on this own, First of all, like fight like himself in that sort mm -hmm. of cool, like taunty, interesting mm -hmm. way. And at the same time, have sort of not necessarily closure, because I think he's going to still probably fight a little more, but have that kind of closure that he didn't have with um, his MMA career. But I agree with you that looking back, like we, can, we, we say all these things now, but by the time we were witnessing the legacy, like he wasn't received the same way and you see the difference with a guy like conor mcgregor and to me it's like very apparent but but some people just don't take well to having their world views even slightly challenged so <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
<laughs> even mildly inconvenienced in their <laughs> beliefs. Uh, and I, I'm assuming you didn't watch the, you didn't get a chance to see any of the USC fights. I didn't actually, because the, yeah, I got, after I got back from the fights, I edited photos all night. And then mm -hmm. the next day I woke up and, um, rolled straight into a, a pro wrestling event that I was photographing. So I just, I barely, because I, I was like switching back and forth and kind of not paying attention, but uh, I wanted to just discord. I don't think we can even debate this. I just wanted to talk about it because I thought it was just so absolutely deranged. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw Sean Strickland's comments. After oh, the I didn't, but please tell me because I, 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 all I saw on Twitter was somebody never give him a microphone again. Oh my God. He's always been a strange individual, right? But so he beat Uriah Hall rather convincingly. And mm -hmm. uh, he, right after the, the podcast with the microphone on his face, said something about like, if he wasn't for the years, like, cause the whole, his whole thing is kind of like, I don't care about glory. I don't care about whatever, like people are mm -hmm. giving me money. So that's why I fight. And he said something about like, if he wasn't for the UFC, I'd be like in prison cooking math. And um, <laughs> then after the post fight press conference, he, and this is, I'm taking it from the MMA fightings uh, story. Uh, he said that, about the cooking meth in a trailer thing that he's never actually used drugs, but he knows he has an addictive personality uh, mm -hmm. as evidenced by his self-confessed love for pornography. Um, so that came, <laughs> <laughs> that came up in the press conference, which uh, is new is new. I think we've seen a lot in this, in this sport. Uh, so to say something is new, it's because it really is. And then he went on this whole thing about, you know, how he loved like being violent and then um, to quote MMA fighting, which then gave way to a confession about a dream scenario for one of his fights. If you like to fucking hurt people, you're in the right sport. Strickland shouted. I would love nothing more than to kill somebody in the ring. Nothing more. Ooh. It would make me super happy. I would own that shit too. I don't know if that would make me liable. I might have to say, I'm sorry if the cops came, but I would own that shit. <laughs> <laughs> own it be a psychopath it's fucking fun um so that's a very strange thing that happened i'm laughing but this is kind of scary because um sometimes we forget right that mma really is a sport that carries really kind of life and death sort of yeah. stakes uh so hearing somebody say that sounds kind of stark but at the same time you can't not laugh at the sheer absurdity of it all so yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of when uh, uh when Pauli Malinaji was fighting Artem Lovov in a mm. bare knuckle. Yeah. And he was saying that, you know, you never hear in boxing, really, you never hear somebody say, I'm going to I'm going to kill that guy, even just jokingly. Mm -hmm. He's like, because it happens. Yeah, it ha it's, it's happened. Um, and it's awful. Um, so, I, you know, I maybe maybe he's saying that because it's something he hasn't actually seen. But I will say that I kind of, if, if he is that crazy, I'm kind of glad that Sean Strickland is just saying it out loud <laughs> as opposed to like keeping it inside and <laughs> plotting it. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing, but I'm terrified. Yeah. I'm terrified, <laughs> but I'm also like, thank you for warning me. I will remember not to get too close to you. Yeah. Um, he's always saying like the weirdest fucking shit. He's a particularly colorful character in a world yeah. of very colorful characters. 
Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's really fine. I can't believe he also said, that's pretty funny that he said he might have to apologize if the cops yeah. came. <laughs> if the cops came. Like, the, yeah, well, that's, that's <laughs> Sean Strickland for you, everyone. Like, here's hoping he really does not become a UFC champion because, well, that would be kind of hilarious, but at the same time, really terrifying to see this man with a little bit of power uh, in his hands. And yeah. it doesn't seem like he's faking it either. Like, it just really does seem like that's how his brain processes things which is yeah yeah especially since he was so forthcoming with his uh, pornography (laughs) i don't even i didn't even watch the thing because that's my curiosity like how does that even come up like do you just bring it up does somebody ask you about porn like i don't i have questions i have several (laughs) questions that i will have to look into after we're done uh but to questions that you can actually answer as opposed to uh, what goes on in the brain of one Sean Strickland. I was listening to our previous episode and cringing, by the way, because uh, I cringe on myself a lot. <laughs> uh, and I remembered something you said. We were talking, you know, about your your career and like mm-hmm. about we talked about how you started at MMA and why you stayed in MMA. And at one mm-hmm. point you mentioned that you had FOMO when you weren't at an event or when you saw something that you were kind of like, Oh, I wish I had taken that photo. Like I wish I, yeah. I had captured that moment. And of course you, you, I don't know if retired is the word you wouldn't, you, you stepped away from yeah. MMA last year. Um, how in, in listening to that, it did, did seem very interesting to me because it does make sense. Like I have had MMA FOMO so many times. And it's one thing that always holds me back when yeah. I consider leaving which mm-hmm. I do uh, probably twice a day, every day. Um, but how has that been? For, have you have you had FOMO since that decision? Yeah, you know, at first there there was a little, you know. Mm-hmm. At first, every time there was a big fight, I would be like, oh, it'd be nice to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, just also just fi- fighters that I like photographing, you know, if I mm-hmm. saw them fighting, like someone like, Israel Adesanya or something, someone who I've always gotten really great pictures of, I'd, I'd feel a little bit, you know, a, kind of a pain, just, oh, I wish I could be there to shoot it. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, over time, that really did fade. I can't remember if it was Patrick Wyman or someone else that had left the industry before him. But they were like, don't worry, that feeling you have right now of just feeling like you're missing out on stuff, mm-hmm. it'll go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it'll just become normal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. And so I, I was just kind of waiting for that. And then it just settled in, you know, yeah. now um, when Casey is every Saturday, Casey has to, you know, run all these post fight shows and stuff like that. And um, I am, I, I just, I'm just not paying attention, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you know, when he's watching fights sometimes at the house or some whatever, uh, every once in a while I'll, I'll watch with him. And mm-hmm. sometimes I will just, go and do something else. Um, I've, you know, been scheduling uh, my own life and doing my own things and not worrying about what's on and um, when something's on. And and when I see a great photo now, you know what, actually, it also made me, I think, a nicer person because whenever I see a great photo now, I'm now instead of being jealous that I didn't take it, uh, now I'm just kind of like really happy that someone did take it. Ah, <laughs> that's beautiful. That's pure. God, somebody got that. You're happy for others. But you've always been like that. You've always been nice. 
Uh, I, I mean, I've I've always tried to be, uh, but now I feel like it's uh, <laughs> but it's actually my- <laughs> like more innate. Uh, I I don't know. I guess I, you know I I always thought of myself as a very nice person, mm-hmm. um, but it it's that you know even that you have to work at it. I guess yes, you have to you. continue to be nice, mm-hmm. and so I feel like um, this this last year has really helped me um, work on that. Really, really work on um, being everything being more inclusive being more supportive just um yeah and uh, it's it's actually i think made me a better human that's and it's very interesting that you mentioned that because one conversation that i always have in that switch for me over the years was the ambition conversation because it used to be that when i was like in my early 20s i was like you know what i'm like hashtag girl boss like Mm -hmm doing my thing and like I'm very ambitious and driven and like career driven, whatever. And now like, I don't really consider myself an ambitious person anymore for several reasons. Like my, I guess priorities change the way I view the world change the way I view capitalism and selling my, (laughs) my, my workforce has changed as well too. But I, I, I always like, what I've kind of come to realize is that when you're like really professionally ambitious, um, and I know that word is not going to be processed the same way by different people. I'm really just saying it for me, the way I view it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to balance that with being a nice person because like you have to sometimes maybe make tough decisions. I think in our field, maybe it's a little different specifically mm-hmm. like, the kind of work that you do, it's a little different. Like we're not like in a corporate world having to like step on necks to (laughs) make our way to the top. But I do relate to what you're saying on the level of having to work at, even if I've always like made it a point to try to be nice and polite to Mm -hmm. actually inwardly have that process as well. When that like little hint of jealousy comes up, because I think it's inevitable, inevitable. And it does when you, like, at least for me, when I see people like, and again, it's changed a lot, thankfully, but I used, I used to be like, when I had saw people like, getting opportunities that I thought like should be mine and mm-hmm. I'd be like having that eat me up on the inside. And now I'm kind of yeah. like, you know what? That's cool that they had that opportunity. Maybe there's some other opportunity for me and that's cool too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely, um, uh, I, if you had, interviewed me at the beginning of my career, mm. you know, um, I, I would have said to you, uh, yeah, like, you know, I feel like um, when you fill out job applications, when you're in your early 20s, it's always like, what are your three characteristics? And obviously, at the time, I was like, yeah, I'm ambitious and all this stuff. But I don't really think of myself as that way anymore. Mm. Um, I if you were to make me, you know, boil down my my three best uh you know, traits as a, as a worker or whatever, you know, I I would just say my, I think general professionalism and, Mm -hmm. you know, my, my willingness to listen to, to feedback. Yeah. Um, these are all things that I didn't have at the beginning. Um, Uh and for sure, uh, ambition is some, is sometimes tied in with, uh, stepping on someone else and, and actually in photography, a, a, a lot of that does come up, especially in MMA stuff. You, uh, you know, at the very beginning, um, I got offered a lot of jobs um, based on the fact that my rate was lower because I was new in the industry, mm. and um, and I didn't realize that it was because of that. I kind of just, you know, you're 
kind of full of yourself. And I think, oh, I, you know, they're hiring me because of me. But as you start to learn what, you know, normal pay is mm-hmm. for, for people, then you're like, okay, um, actually, it turns out I, you know, I've been undercutting people or that kind of stuff. And you just make adjustments. Mm-hmm. And that that kind of stuff, yeah, goes through MMA too. You still, I still feel like a, uh, a com- competition sometimes with other photographers to get to get gigs. But at this point, um, the the nice thing about um, stepping away yeah. is it gave me the perspective to to realize that um, I do have a skill, I do have talent, I have an eye, I have my own whatever it is if somebody wants to if someone wants to hire Esterlin they're going to hire Esterlin mm-hmm. you know um I don't need to worry about all the other people or other jobs or stuff like that I mean I still need to put myself out there and still work and try but it's not like uh I don't have to go around to promoters and you know try try to try to take gigs from other photographers it's just yeah. really not something people email me all the time asking me like how to get into fights or my favorite one is at, asking me how do i have your job and i'm like yeah, <laughs> oh that's the best question in the I world. Have my job so <laughs> you, you can, you can be me <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah now that now that i'm kind of been away from it for a while i've mm-hmm. it, it's it's made me see um at, at least the system that works for me, the more work that I help other people that I know are good get, the more work just somehow ends up coming back to me. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I just try to work in a way that, you know, where I'm constantly either passing work to people who I trust and love mm-hmm. or taking it on my own. But, you know, um, now we have like a system like Scott Hirano. I don't know if you know him. Yeah, I do. Um, he every once in a while we'll just text each other. If I get offered something, he'll be like, "Hey, did you get offered this?" And we'll just kind of you know confer with each other and make sure mm-hmm. that none of us are getting ripped off and uh, you know everyone's getting treated fairly. So, oh, th- and that's an amazing thing that I also feel like all of a lot of us lack in our youth, but still now because there's such this big there's this big taboo when it comes to talking about money, mm-hmm. and we lose so much exactly mm-hmm. because of what you're saying. Like mm-hmm. we don't need to like be so secretive about all those things because everybody wins if we're a little more, Mm -hmm. I don't know, willing to collaborate. And again, I think that's one thing that comes with time. The, the, yeah. But the thing like, how do I have your job? It's just so interesting because it's like, I've had that question a lot. Like, well, Mm -hmm. for me, well, I grew up speaking one language and then learned Mm -hmm. another. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then not really specialized in this very uh niche thing mm-hmm. <laughs> and after 10 years i had a good job in it so <laughs> that's kind of how you do it and i got really lucky and i was uh at the right place at the right time and i sometimes made the right friends so uh that would be the the quick route but one thing that i did want to ask you about because you, you did talk about you know how people who left the industry kind of mentioned the idea of getting used to it and i think that's probably what happens, but, um, speaking for me and I might be projecting a little bit, like whenever I consider, you know, doing something else with my life. And I think that Mm -hmm. time is coming. Like I've been doing MMA for, I guess, 12 years. And Mm -hmm. at some point we got to move on. But one thing that I always struggle with is the fact that when you do a thing for so long, 
And it kind of becomes what you're quote unquote known for. It becomes mm-hmm. such a big part of your identity, right? Like it's not just a job, like it becomes really part of who you are. And that's something that I struggle with whenever I think about the next steps. So was it, was it something that factored in for you or that you were worried about when you decided to step away from MMA? Uh, for sure. I, there was part of me that thought, you know what, what if I can't, I don't know how to do anything else. <laughs> and I wasn't really nervous that I wasn't going to be able to have my skill that I've, you know, garnered over the years. What if that doesn't apply mm-hmm. anywhere else? Um, yeah. And all this, um, I don't know, clout or whatever you want to call it that I've mm-hmm. built up in MMA, it, it doesn't transfer, yeah. you know? Um, and I actually had a, um, I, you know, when we spoke in December 2019, I think I told you that I had that transformative free trip to to Thailand. Um, and um, the conversation of me quitting MMA came up a lot during it. Um, and a lot of uh, what my companions were saying on the trip was like, look, there's there's got to be a part of you that realizes you staying in it is both a fear of failure, right, obviously, but also a little bit of ego, right? Mm, yeah. Because here for me, I mean, in MMA, if I go online, um, outside of the people who who uh, love making fun of me for being uh, woke or whatever, um, I have a very positive feedback. Yeah. Um, and it's... Um, it's it's a pretty friendly place for me if I want to post MMA photos, you know, and I and I, I get a lot of good feedback, and generally people are very positive, and then it, it kind of becomes addicting, right? Like I'm like, yeah, oh, this is good. This is, I'm good at this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to really do anything else that I'm not good at, you know. Why would I? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it made in the shade here. Like these people think everything I do is beautiful. Why would I go somewhere where it might not be beautiful? Like, yeah, don't. exactly. So there, there's definitely that, that fear. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know that I've worked through that part yet. There's definitely and I, I, I would say that because I went back and I shot MMA last weekend, you yeah. know. Um, and uh, it, I, ha- I have tried a couple other things since and I, I wouldn't say that I'm that great at other genres of photography. But like with everything else, it requires work and practice and mm-hmm. Um, it's going to take, like you said, the 10 years, it's going to take just as long for me to get good at something else as it did for me to get good at MMA, you know, yeah. um, it, which is, but the, the longer I wait, I waited to jump into something else, the more I delayed that. Yeah. Um, so part of me is like, oh, still kind of, uh, I'm I'm proud that I I made I made this decision, but definitely I'm I'm scared because you know right now I don't have like a I don't have like one regular client. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do some recordings every once in a while, but I don't really have normal work. Um, and I would be assume that's kind of the case for a lot of people right now. Yeah. Um, it's n- not just because of the pandemic though. I mean, it's just it's yeah. the changing face of journalism, mm-hmm. photography, a lot of these things. So I don't know. You know, uh, I, it's, it's, uh, it's still, a, it's still sore for me. I, I don't know. I, I get nervous. I'm, I some often will doubt myself late at night. I'll just lay around and go, but I don't know how to do anything else. And that's, it sounds crazy coming from you because to me, because that's the thing, right? And we kind of talked about this too, when we were on the show, like 
when we're talking about sort of imposter syndrome and working mm-hmm. on our self-confidence, because it to me, hearing this from you, uh, whom I consider like such an accomplished and like just objectively amazing photographer, like in my mind, it's like, how does this person not know that they're amazing? Like, this is, and then you're like, oh, I guess we all have those thoughts when we go to bed at night, huh? Mm-hmm. That's very, very strange. And I think it also ties into something that you, something that is cultural about the idea of starting over, right? Like, I feel like things are changing, but it's still like when you're past 35. Like you're not supposed to just like upend everything that you've built and maybe decide to try to build something new. Mm-hmm. So that also, especially for women, like I feel like that's kind of terrifying too. Like I'm 31 and I'm like, ah, I'm too old to like try something else. And it's like, no, I'm not. I'm objectively not. But yeah, <laughs> it's really hard. And you're not like when. And this is something my my partner Rodrigo tells me because he was like, uh, he's a narrator now, right? He's mm-hmm. actually like narrating like the Olympics and stuff, and he loves it. But uh, it's sort of new. He's only been doing it for a few years. Like before that, he was like super miserable working in a uh, an agency, like. He had his own agency. He was super stressed. Like there was a time when he was like making actually good money, but like so stressed and hated mm-hmm. it and like had stomach issues and was just, and in his mind, I was like, ah, but you know, I made my bed. Now I got to lie in it. And then mm-hmm. like at 36 or 37, he changed his whole life. And that's the speech he gives me every time I start saying nonsense, mm-hmm. which is why I'm repeating it to my listeners because he literally says that every day. But it's just a scary thought, I think, especially when like you, when it's someone like you who are so established in MMA. Um, and I guess that's, that may be why a lot of people reacted the way that they did, because it was like a thing in the MMA mm-hmm. community for a couple yeah, of years. Yeah, people days. thought I retired from MMA, and I was like, no, 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 I'm just leaving MMA fighting. Um, and a lot of that comes from the fact that I, I said that I was retiring from MMA fighting only mm-hmm. because... You know how fighters sometimes retire from places just so they can get out of a contract and not feel like they're burning any bridges? Yeah. That's kind of what it was. You know, mm-hmm. I am I was retiring from MA fighting because, or whatever, you know, I left, but I didn't want people to think that I was leaving because yeah, I, I didn't it. like my coworkers mm-hmm. or, you know, something like that. It was, it was just because I was unhappy mm-hmm. and I needed to move on. I needed to change. Um, and uh, there was some stuff behind the scenes as well, but it's like not, it wasn't because, uh, I don't know. It just, it, yeah. it was, it was more because I really needed, to, it was something I needed to do and I've been putting mm-hmm. it off. And you were talking about not doing, not chain upending your life after 35. I mean, for the last couple of, I'd say, I'd say for the last decade, everyone's, uh, so, this is a conversation I have once a year. Some random guy will ask me when I'm planning to have children and say that I'm Ugh. getting too old to have children. Um, yes. Because I'm about to have my 40th birthday next mm. month. And, and, you know, and at first I believed that for some reason or it would mm-hmm. just insult me or I would get angry. Um, but lately, I mean, now I think, well, I mean, if I really wanted to have kids, I could still totally have kids. Um, and also there's always adoption, all that kind of stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, 
who cares? Yeah. That's not, that, none of that is any of your business. Yes, for starters. And, <laughs> and if I want to make a career change at 40, I'm going to mm-hmm. make a career change at 40. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine. You know, I, you know, part of me was super, super nervous, but then I don't think I'm, because, you know, I follow a lot of really young, very talented photographers on Instagram and Twitter, and I look at all their stuff, and, you know, some of my favorite photographers are like 22, and they've already got three Vogue covers, and gosh, that, you know, when I was 22, I was still binge drinking, and... Let's not- be a 31, uh, yeah. so... <laughs> I've I've got a what do they call it okay a little bit of arrested development. Yes. <laughs> so, at thirty one, I'm living like a twin year old, but my knees hurt more. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I think it's okay that I'm just I'm. It's just going to take me a lot longer, you know. Um, and I'm fine. It's it's I'm finally getting a little more okay with that and not yeah. feeling like it's too late for me. That's and we all feel that way. That's the crazy part, right? Because then I, I look back when I was like in my mid twenties, and a lot of things, and I like look back at twenty one. I was much more together than I am now. <laughs> but I was an asshole, like on a personal level. Like was just not a good person. Like I'm really glad uh, that I evolved in several reasons, but professionally, I was like a more, uh, I don't know, more in the right path. Mm-hmm. Then I was at any point after that, like my early twenties were like a, a very, like a career, like highlight for me, not necessarily because of where I was, but the way more my mindset was like, I was mm-hmm. very into my professional life. You could say, mm-hmm. not that I don't like it now. Uh, I really, I, I'm very fortunate at this particular moment in time because I get to like have a podca- podcast and write the things I like, which is an enormous privilege, but like, I don't know. I was much more driven back then. And then I would look at like somebody who was like 17 on American Idol and be like, (laughs) I'm such a failure. The 17 year old is on American Idol. So it's kind of like, I think at this point of my life, I'm just kind of like, you know what? There's always going to be some, someone doing something extraordinary. If, and if I waste too much time thinking about that, I'm just going to drive myself insane pretty much. Yeah, it's just, it's such a hard thing, right? To just keep reminding yourself you can only control mm-hmm. yourself. Like you can't you can't stop the world from having prodigies pop up everywhere. I mean, it's I mean, and, I would know. like to start that campaign. <laughs> <laughs> prodigies, please just stop happening. Uh I don't like it. It makes me feel bad. So please <laughs> <laughs> Can everyone please just be a little it. more mediocre (laughs) just like as a general thing i feel like if we just lower the expectations for everyone it will just be like an easier ride (laughs) (laughs) on a personal level though i say like you were a person who was traveling a lot and that's Mm -hmm. the thing with the pandemic right like of course things changed for everyone and Mm -hmm. um a lot of us were very fortunate like i have a home I have you know like I moved countries and like but but I have a home and I'm safe and the pandemic didn't completely um you know fin- ruin whatever security I had so having said that like I think it forced a lot of us to reckon certain like <laughs> with certain things that maybe we didn't have before and I think about people like you and Casey and uh I had Aaron Bronstetter here who was also traveling a lot like 
how was that process? Like, because for me, it really became like I I was forced to like deal with myself a lot more than I was comfortable with. Like, mm-hmm. I joke about the binge drinking thing uh, because, like, right before the pandemic hit, I was very much in like my party girl phase. Like, mm-hmm. I would go out every Saturday and Friday and just get hammered, and like that was my thing, and it was like my identity and like how I blew steam. And then the pandemic came in, and it's like, oh. No, you just you kind of have to deal with your own thoughts for a little bit. And uh, mm-hmm. it was, and it has been very challenging. Uh, but for you, like a person who was so used to like being on the road and on the move and like living, I guess, on such a fast pace, having to really slow down, was that a difficult adjustment for you? Um, at first, no. Because um, at first I was already burnt out anyway. So mm. it kind of was like, this is great. It's <laughs> really nice. <laughs> um, but then um, a couple months in to the pandemic, when I was still with MMA fighting, um, but we weren't going anywhere, then I started getting kind of a little more uh, cabin fever. And I yeah. and I think a lot of that has more to do with the fact that um, it's some, I mean, if you're a photographer, especially, that's just not work you can do remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there there are some ways obviously to do it, but not sports photography. So um, there was part of me that was just like, Oh, you know, um, this is a relief. And then after a while it just, you know, and then I kind of went back into the, I want to be traveling again because even before the pandemic, uh, when I was home for, I wasn't home for very much, but what if I was home for more than two weeks in a row, I would get antsy. Mm-hmm. I would feel the need to leave or go travel. Um, but now that I'm home all the time, I am a homebody. I yeah. love being home. I my dogs. I have two dogs, and they're yeah. older. They're 13 and 14. So I I'm realizing now um, that you know I want to spend like these last few years with them because they're not going to live a lot much longer because mm-hmm. they're dogs. Um, <laughs> And I have to I have to start thinking about stuff like that. And I'm also thinking about spending, you know, there's just been a lot of things like my father had a heart attack. So there's just oh, been l- things here and there where I've been like, okay, this is actually an opportunity for me mm-hmm. to um, slow down m- my life and really take stock of what matters to me, but also for me just to um, enjoy myself and to deal with myself. You're right about the dealing with yourself part because those first couple of months, I was a mess. I think I just sat around all day just doing the min- like the work I had to do, you know, I would like plow through whatever yeah, work I had to do. Absolutely. And then I then from that point on, as soon as I knew I was done with the day for the day, I would just get super high and sit around and do nothing. Yeah. Because I, I just didn't want to do anything. I was, mm-hmm. it was, it was fri- like the world seemed crazy and I just didn't want to participate anymore. That's the thing, right? Like you don't want to, like you're, at least for me, like it really felt and still feels a lot like, okay, I'm going to perform humanity for mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. society. Like I'm going to perform being a person uh, since that's required of me. But I don't really feel like a person, so like, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna act like one, like for any longer than necessary. Because I was yeah. pretty much doing the same thing. Like the things that need to be done are gonna be done, but then like I'm just gonna like binge all the shows, 
mm-hmm. basically. And that's it. And very passively. Like if you ask me the plot of anything, I will not even <laughs> be able to tell you. Just like <laughs> came in and, and went right out. Um, and and how did that affect though? Because one thing that also I feel, and this is something that I've touched on on the show before, because obviously you can't run away from it. It's like our onlineness mm-hmm. <laughs> also had to sort of switch forms, right? Like um, mm-hmm. before, of course, because of your work uh, with fighting and you don't, you did like moderation and stuff. So like it demanded, I guess, a certain amount of just existing on the internet, but like mm-hmm. the isolation and everything else, right? I feel like that's my my problem when people will tell me to just like close Twitter or whatever. Like if I'm feeling bad about mm-hmm. it, and I'm like, if I close Twitter, like I'm closing my communication with the world at this current. Like this is not a feasible thing. So it has really been, and I I, I feel like I've been seeing a lot of people just being like extremely online and then being like, oh, I'm just gonna delete Twitter for my phone. I'm just going to like take a hiatus from Instagram for a week because it's like not healthy for me and things like that. Like I've, I think I've been seeing a lot of that. So I feel like this has really forced us to reevaluate our onlineness. And I know you are, or at least were, um, when we talked about it, like a sensitive person toward the things that are said to you online or not necessarily to you that just exist online Mm -hmm. and like I am. Um, So how has that part of it been for you? Just like finding maybe that balance between existing online and not letting that become like your whole world. Well, I still don't have Twitter installed on my phone. So for the most part, I, if I want to check something, I'm looking at it through a browser or something. Um, so it really kind of limits the amount of time I can spend on it and the mm-hmm. amount of responses I can do. And I, I do appreciate that. But I understand that's actually not how most people can operate, especially if you're, you know, your whole job is kind of reading news online and reacting to it and making sure you know what's kind of going on. Since that's not my beat anymore, I don't have to do it. And mm-hmm. the... um the best way for me to not get kind of pulled back into it was for me just to also just not let myself do it. But, you know, it's, it's a hard thing because as a photographer, that meant also I wasn't posting photos. And, you know, um, that means I'm not putting my work out there. I'm not even sharing the things that I am doing, um, you know, on Instagram. So people don't even know if I'm alive or still working or, you know. and you know, that solution, just get offline or just turn it off, just doesn't work Yeah. Um, for most things. it it It's a temporary solution. It'll make you feel better for a brief time. But the moment you turn it back on and you still see that dumb comment, it's going to come right back, you mm-hmm. know? So I've just, all I've been really working at is that when I am online, I try really hard to just keep it to things that you know, aren't going to harm me mm-hmm. um, or my feelings or anyone else's feelings, but also just harm me, my, harm myself in, in the terms of like inviting, uh, yeah. you know, s- some bad behavior for myself. But I don't, I don't think it's, it's not something you can really cut off because you're right. This is the modern world. This is how people communicate. This is, this is life. Yeah. You know? Right. That's the, I think that people are still like, 
they treat it as a separate thing, right? Like, oh, there's real life and there's the internet. And it's like, no, <laughs> this is 2021. They're both pretty much attached and mm-hmm. you can set boundaries like you are doing. And like, I actually have been trying to do. And I, I've been like, cause I, now that I don't have to like, like I'm not doing MMA the beat anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Like I write more funny and things that are like more quirky. Like the only thing I'm doing like religiously is tough because there's every mm-hmm. week, but I do it in my own time. It's like I can afford to have a distance and I mm-hmm. choose to have a distance that I didn't have before. Like I'm mostly silent on Twitter now. Like mm-hmm. I don't say a lot. Like I think I got better at picking my battles a little bit, but still like sometimes I'm going to be like, if I don't like say a thing today, I'm just going to disappear. <laughs> like, right? Like I'm just going to like not exist to these people anymore. And like, I need to like professionally also, but in a, in a fucked up and twisted way that I don't appreciate personally too. Like, it's just very strange to, it's very difficult for me to sort of like strike that balance and kind of remind myself that like I'm a full person, um, whether I'm on an app or not, like, like this is, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, like, okay, but I'm in this apartment in Mexico city away from my entire family and away from my friends. And, uh, you know, like if I lose this window to like society, like, do I even exist anymore? I don't know. It sounded way trippy, but that's kind of like where my head is at the moment. No, I, I, you know, I totally understand that in the sense that, you know, I actually have been traveling um, for work. Uh, not a ton. Yeah, I've been I've been purposely making sure that I'm not traveling very much. Um, but I saw this. Uh, this cartoon, uh, I think it was a New Yorker cartoon, but it was like an old man. And he was like, if I don't complain about this inconvenience publicly, did it even happen? (laughs) And and I feel that way sometimes, you know, something bad happens to me. And I'm like, I want to share this because I feel like if I don't share this, maybe this bad thing didn't even happen to me. Yeah. Uh, But at the same time, like, maybe that's good maybe i need to feel more like a goldfish and just you know swim through life and forget things every few seconds i don't know <laughs> like like that do i need to like relive like to amplify this minor incident involving a bagel i didn't want and just like keep <laughs> replying to people about it for like the next yeah. three hours or can i just move on with my life it seems like an easy question to answer now that we're speaking about it rationally but at the moment that it happens it's a little trickier Uh, yeah no i find myself still doing it i look at look back at my twitter and i'm like oh my god really esther you were complaining about the spaghetti and just (laughs) and i feel like such an old lady right sometimes i'm like I'm really complaining about this on Twitter, dear Lord. Some somebody helped me, and then I'm like, you know what? The world is falling apart. Let me be an old lady on Twitter. So really, <laughs> my mood <laughs> on this varies throughout the day. Uh, but you know, now, so now you're doing. I know, obviously, you're still doing photography, boxing, anything else. I know you're. Uh, <clears throat> we're getting into voiceovers and everything. So I guess, what are you up to at the the current moment? 
Oh, well, I, I am uh, still doing some voiceover, not as much because the travel schedule makes mm-hmm. it actually kind of difficult um, in terms of auditioning and making sure that I'm going to be available for yeah. when they want to record and all that kind of stuff. But I'm still doing it. I'm still working on it because um, it's something that I feel like I can do for the rest of my life, whereas definitely running around taking photographs is not something I can uh, – well, at the – MMA, this is kind of worth. MMA is still like a very fit and wrestling and boxing. These are all things that require you to be sort of physically fit to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't seem like it, but you have to be able to run around oh, quite a bit. Imagine. Your um, lift equipment, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I don't think I'll be able to do that forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really just trying to come up with things that I enjoy doing, um, but not too much that I'll hate. I'll resent having to do it for money. <laughs> Um, another very tricky balance <laughs> to reach <laughs> yeah so that's what i'm doing i'm just shooting boxing i've been working a lot for showtime mm-hmm. um you know uh i think upcoming in a couple weeks i you know actually showtime is going to be here in la and i actually had to turn it down because a couple like about a month before that they called um you know a pro wrestling gig came up and the pro wrestling doesn't pay as much but it is just personally very gratifying and okay it's very fun mm. and everyone's very nice and it's hard to uh, not want to be around a group of such kind people because uh. they really are just like a really good group of people. That's awesome. So it's like if you can get paid to do like something that's pleasant and that you yeah. actually enjoy with people that are cool, like why not? Exactly. So, you know, I've been kind of just trying to take it slow and take jobs that just make me happy. Yeah. Um, and just that in its own has been, been a you know made kind of a big difference i at this point i don't know yet if i will be at the jake paul tyron woodley fight okay um because there's actually another showtime show showtime has two fights that weekend okay um and they've been asking me to go to the other one um because it's closer to me (laughs) um and i don't know i i'm still i i for the first time ever i had to i had to say and it just sounded, it still sounds so weird and it's so difficult to say because it's just so difficult to be this confident, but to be like, hey, um, I really only want to do big, important things. Uh, and that's, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm good enough that I mm-hmm. don't need to be scrambling around shooting, you know, um, you know. Your cousin's Whatever. wedding. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, wet, weddings are fine, but you know what I mean? I, I don't need to be, you know, scrapping it out for for every gig that comes my way. Um, at this point, I really only want to do things that I really want to do. So, um, Even that yeah. probably took some work, no? Like getting to that point mentally where you're... And again, and I bringing being a woman into it because I do feel like we're persistently taught to like sort of diminish our own achievements and our own Mm -hmm. capabilities. But I would imagine that that too sort of took some mental work of, you know, you know what, like I can actually admit to myself that I'm at a point of my career where I can actually choose what I want to do. Yeah, that did take a ton of work. And even still, every once in a while, I'll still take a job and then I'll be like, I don't know why I took this. I didn't need this, you know? Uh, Yeah. Um. And it doesn't make me happy, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I really, it's it's still, there's still that pressure. I still feel like a finance, I mean, there's still like a tiny financial pressure. You know, obviously I still have to pay rent. So in yeah. my head, I'm like, oh, really, I really need to, 
I really need to just take this. And I have to keep listening to my therapist who keeps reminding me. She's like, you're capable. The money will come. You'll be able to find mm-hmm. work. Stop doing stuff that makes you unhappy. <laughs> I'm like, Ugh. Isn't that like the lesson of a lifetime though? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I know, but we've been talking about this for like the last five years. And she's like, I know. And you still don't get it. And it's something I just keep trying to work at. And um, yeah. it's, there's, yeah, there's really nothing to do but to keep to keep trying and mm-hmm. to keep hoping that I don't keep making the same mistakes. Um, but yeah, that's why, I mean, that's why I was at Bellator though. I, it's something that I wanted to shoot. I wanted yeah. to be there. And, uh, you know, people keep asking me if I'm, if I'm going to go shoot, uh, you know, the thriller show that's coming mm-hmm. up, the Vitor Belfort versus Oscar De La Hoya. And I was like, look, I'm not going to go looking for a gig. If yeah. somebody was like, hey, Esther lives in LA, let's hire her and wants to send, you know, throw money at me, I will do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I will look at the terms and make sure that they they work for me, and that's it. But at this point, I'm not going to go out and just keep searching and desperately wanting to, mm-hmm. um, and also just accepting everything that comes at me because I, you know, because I need to pay rent and just, uh, yeah. So the last thing the peoples must know. So you're not you're not done with MMA forever, like. No, yeah. not done with MMA forever, but not seeking it out. <laughs> Got it. Got it. See, see people listening to my show. I've answered the questions that, that I, pe- I mean, the peoples are asking. Oh, I get so, Yeah. So for me, like coming up, you know, uh, all these big fights coming up and even back like a couple of weeks ago mm. for the Connor fight, I was thinking, well, I'm not going to like just go there and hope to shoot or do any of that kind of stuff. I was like, if somebody wants to hire me, they can hire me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I right now, what I want would be to do, you know, before pre pandemic, I remember ESPN, obviously coverage is changing ESPN doing special things like ESPN W assignments or whatever, mm-hmm. where I would see a photographer just following a female fighter around for a week. And I mean, that's the kind of stuff I want to do. And mm-hmm. also the kind of stuff I think I'm good at. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if anyone's listening, um, those are the kinds of assignments I think that would interest me mm-hmm. and that would really kind of get me back into uh, wanting to shoot MMA. You know, those are the things I want to do. I want to tell stories. And I felt like towards the end of my tenure at MMA fighting and um, it's just when you're just doing the grind anyway, yeah. you're you're just doing the grind. You're yes. not really even stopping to consider how you're telling the story or if, you know, if you're telling it completely, I mean, you kind of just, I just got stuff out. I felt like I was a machine. And mm-hmm. this point I'm like, okay, I'm not a machine. Um, and, and I hope that, you know, someone out there can uh, offer me an, or ho- hopefully there's a story out there that can be told. And I, I am actually still, I'm going to work on a couple of personal projects on my own and, mm-hmm. you know, but it's, uh, it's about, doing it correctly and doing it how I want to do it. And mm-hmm. at this point, and you know, it'll happen. I don't, I don't need to, to chase it. Yeah. Our, I always allude to our um, hypothetical millionaire listener. Mm-hmm. So if you're out there, millionaire <laughs> listener, uh, and you want to just give us money to do cool things, um, uh, Esther is amazing and she wants money to be amazing and do amazing things. So, Maybe you can work something out. <laughs> <laughs> Reach out on Twitter. 
<laughs> she doesn't have it on her phone, but she'll get to it eventually. Yeah, <laughs> I, you can- <laughs> I, I, it takes me a couple of days, but I read I read the messages eventually. So. So, I'm hoping you can arrange something. Uh, as sir, this has been amazing as I uh, knew it would be because you're an amazing person. But um, yeah, I took so much of your time already. I guess before we go, anything you want to plug to our listeners, um, have them watch, look, subscribe to Patreon support. I don't know anything. I don't have any of that stuff yet, but you know, I'm still occasionally posting things on my Instagram, uh, all elbows. And I always want to plug, uh, you know, the work of my partner, Casey, you know, mm-hmm. he over at MMA fighting isn't, he's actually in Houston this week for UFC 264. Um, so he'll be doing a bunch of work and I'm sure frustrated that I'm not there being the magical travel partner that I am. Um, so, you know, um, yeah. And, uh, and you, I'm so glad. Thank you for inviting me onto Aww. your show. Um, I just love all the work you're doing at Fanbyte, and I'm really, really happy you landed somewhere so awesome and also super jealous. I think I already mentioned to you before I listened to that episode of you interviewing Danielle and I just was just seething with jealousy the entire time. yeah danielle is a unicorn uh in this (laughs) business like i've been fortunate uh in many ways because i feel like i've worked with good editors and people Mm -hmm. that i personally like and that i'm actually still friends with like dan stop who was my editor junkie and the athletic um love him to bits learned a lot from him but it's really yeah it's really cool to be in an environment where like you don't feel like you're only as good as your clicks. Yeah. And that's a trap and a problem for like everybody coming into the industry. Like you're just going to have to deal with that. So, so for uh, all of you who reach out and ask for tips on um, how to make it an MMA, just go the other way. Just don't do it unless uh, Danielle wants to hire you. Uh, I would encourage you <laughs> doing something else entirely. No, I'm sorry. I encourage you to follow your dreams, you beautiful unicorns. I don't want to end this on a bad note. You're all beautiful and special and in your own little ways. Um, and go listen to Christina Aguilera's Beautiful because you deserve it <laughs> as a treat for today. <laughs> so that is it. Thank you so much, Esther, for being here again. Thank you at home for listening. Thank you, our beautiful, amazing, uh, delightful, great person, producer Jordan, for producing and editing the show. Thank you. I didn't, I forgot to think about a random person to thank today. Who do you like today, Esther, that we should thank, like in the universe? Oh, in Athlete, the whole universe? Singer. Yeah. Could be Casey if you want, friend of the show. Could be anybody, your dogs. Satan. I'd like to thank my dogs for okay. being around. It's better than uh, Satan, probably. <laughs> uh, no, no, Satan's good. Some people need some people need the threat of eternal damnation to do good things, and maybe that's what he's there for. Um, you know. So I, I, you know, look at me, the eternal optimist, trying to find the good in everything. <laughs> You're um, just trying to find the good in Satan, and I love that for us. <laughs> so thank you. Esther's dogs for being very cute. Uh, they're yes. also on Instagram, no? Yes. 
They're also on Instagram. (laughs) So (laughs) thank you all. This has been the best camp of my life. I will see you all next week.